As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Leaf Report. This is Clark here. Hello, everybody. James, good afternoon, good day. How are you? Oh man, Jonas, you sound fired up. You, you're gonna have the energy. You, you got to carry us in this one. I'm, I'm feeling a bit. Uh, my kids wore me out over the weekend, so it's all on you. You got it. I'll play 29 minutes tonight if we need me to. I'm gonna put on those glasses that Homer wore when he was on jury duty, and you could. It looked like he was <laughs> awake, but he's not. Although I guess that probably doesn't work for a podcast, does it? Maybe I can have like a recording of me saying the same things I always say, and then I just uh, talking about what their course is and whatever. And I'll just did you ever have one of those things uh, called a yak back? Do you remember those? I do remember that. Yeah. We should just get you to have. I'll just have a yak back, and I'll just play it when I need a response. You know, just be me saying a bunch of cliche, cliche yeah. things. Uh, what's uh, Jonas? What's your concern level with the Leafs right now? Well, we got a lot to talk about, as always. Um, we're going to touch on Austin Matthews' injury, recovery. We'll look back a little bit at, at the week that was and, and more look ahead to this week of Jets, 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 J-E-T-S, Jets. Uh, I want to get into uh, William Neander and John Tavares kind of coming on of late. I think we should talk a little bit about your boy Granland. Jimmy VC is on the rise. We're going to take... I have a Granlin story going on the site tomorrow, so... I know. We're going to take questions in the pod bag. But we must start with the best player on the team. Um, he came back from injury. Uh, he's played three games. Uh, he hasn't scored in his last five. He doesn't have a point in those three games. Uh, Sheldon Keefe talked a little bit about Matthews and his... Come back from the wrist injury, and that, James, is our This Guy's Such an Idiot quote of the week. 
You think it's my fault? Is that what you're saying? saying you're, is that what you're saying? saying that you're is that what you're saying? Okay. Yeah, he was just screaming in my ear, so I had to kind of start singing along with him. But uh, you know, he's a big fan of that song. He plays it in the car sometimes, so uh, you know, he, he definitely is a big Bon Jovi guy. It's been a lot of ups and downs, you know, a lot of emotions and a lot of great teammates that's passed by. Just being around this useful energy, that gets me excited. And they got a lot of it here, but uh, yeah, just soak it all in. You know, I feel like I'm, you know, young again. It's it's a good feeling to be in. I need more emotion. We need more emotion from everybody. We need people to get angry. We need people to step up and and be mad and take it personally. Uh, it was just okay. <laughs> I've been waiting a long time for that. <laughs> so you guys can package that someplace, okay? Well, it's clear that it affects his shot. You know, we've moved him around on the power play as a result of that. Uh, he's, he's not as comfortable in his shooting, but I think he, he's shown that he's, he's very good in a lot of other areas. Doesn't seem to be affecting his ability to handle the puck, to pass the puck. Um, you know, so he's dealing with a couple of things. He's dealing with the the mental effect that, you know, not being 100% himself has on his game and then the fact he's missed time. You know, when you miss time, you lose your rhythm and, and throws you off a little bit. Uh, you know, but as you said, he, he's found ways to generate chances and shots. Uh, he's made plays for his line mates. So he's, he's bringing a lot of positive things to us, uh, you know, and, and I think in time, uh, you know, it's the type of injury that will uh, heal itself. He's just got to work his way through it. And fortunate to this point and everything I'm told, it's not the kind of thing that's going to get worse. It's just something you just got to play through for a little bit and, been doing, I think, a good job of that. Okay, so that was Sheldon Keith talking about Austin Matthews. Uh, what are you noticing with Matthews um, since he came back? I think he's been okay, but you know that 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 quote from Keith sums it up pretty well. There's some things that he can't do that he was doing before, and uh, you know, there's there's a mental aspect to that where you know Matthews has to adjust his game. And uh, that's not easy, especially, you know, you're facing tough checking and you're an elite player and he was, uh, he was obviously performing at such a high level and you lose just a little bit from your arsenal and you combine that with the fact that there was no way he was going to be able to stay that hot forever. And uh, that's, that's why he's at where he is now. And, you know, I think the debate for the Leafs and, and, and I'm sure for Matthews himself is, should he be playing or not? Or, or should he be just resting it? Um, is, is Matthews at, what would you say he's at 80% or something? Is he, is Matthews at 70 or 80%? Is that, I don't know. I mean, like, it looks like they're going to win the division. It looks like, you know, I mean, they're going to easily coast into the playoffs in this division and you can probably afford to rest him. The Leafs played pretty well when he sat the two games that he did, uh, against Edmonton. I don't know. I mean, I think it's a, it's a fair debate. The good news is that the Leafs schedule has got a a bit of a break here, so he is going to get some rest. Yeah, I was honestly a little surprised that he came back as quickly as he did. Yep. Um, he missed only the two games, and we couldn't be there on the road to see him in some of the practices, seeing him in some of the skates. But some of the visuals that we – visuals, that's a nice word um, – that we did see, he didn't look all that comfortable shooting the puck. Um, and it's a wrist injury. Like, it's going to affect his shot. It's going to affect his puck handling. It's going to affect his face-offs. Uh, if you look at his face-offs in the three games he's come back, it's under 50%. Um, and it was a back-to-back. Like, he came back and played two games in two nights. And and obviously, they had the success that they had against Edmonton. It's It's just a little surprising that uh, he did come back as quickly as he did. Uh, but we saw this before, James. Like, when he missed that one game 
with a hand injury, it took him a few games to kind of get back. And hand injury, wrist injury, it's like the same sort of thing. I think that was the left hand. And this is obviously the right wrist, but it makes sense. Like it's the kind of injury that would affect him. And and that line, I just don't think has, has looked as dangerous, which is not surprising when the best guy on the line is, is hindered. Yeah. And I think you made a good point in, in the piece you had on, on the athletic on, on Monday morning, just talking about, you know, maybe they need Zach Hyman there just to give them, you know, if Matthews isn't functioning at a hundred percent, then, you know, potentially you gotta, you gotta make a change there. And, you know, one thing that stood out is that, you know, I, I think that Matthews not being at his best has impacted Marner in that it seems like yes. Marner's trying to do too much and it exposes Thornton a little bit more because they need him to do a little bit more. And then it, it, it just kind of starts unraveling a little bit if, if Matthews isn't. I mean, it, Matthews was so ridiculously good in the first 15 or 20 games of the year that, um, you know, it, it's it's hard to ask that of him all the time. But when he, if he's not going to be that, then they're going to have to compensate for that somehow. Well, and we'll get to Neander and Tavares coming on in a second uh, or in a few minutes. Um, but where do you stand on, like, where Hyman should play? Because, like, the more I watch him, the more it's like, this guy should be playing ahead of Thornton. Like, he should be on that line. And yet, like, I understand the reasons for not having him there. Like, that that third line has been really effective like they can really skate their energy is great and I don't know where else you play Thornton if you're not playing him there so I'm kind of conflicted uh as to how they should set things up well it's about balancing your lineup out right like right Hyman's playing great but like I think to be a really good team in the NHL I know to be a really good team in the NHL now and to win playoff series and to win division titles and all those kinds of things you need to have three good lines you know, you, you can't be a two-line team. So I don't know that – like you take Hyman off that third line and whoever else you put there, if it's VC, Engvall, Mikheyev, they're not going to be as effective. They're just not. No. And you're not going to feel as comfortable with them playing against top lines. And I think one of the reasons that Engvall works as a third-line center is that he has Hyman there and that Hyman's such a disruptor you know, uh, at both ends of the ice that that's kind of like a bit of a security blanket. And so is McKayev too. I mean, like yep. that line, it looks so good against Edmonton that um, I think you got to keep giving them some more opportunities here. And Winnipeg's going to be a real challenge. You know, Winnipeg's a big team. They're pretty fast. They got really good goaltending. Winnipeg's a good team. You know, like I think that there's a pretty legitimate case you can make that they're the second best team in the division. Um, they're not that far behind the Leafs. So, you know, if they get this series of games here, if if they don't go Toronto's way, then, you know, I can see the, the fan base getting a little bit more uneasy here. So this is, this is a big stretch of games. And I think it's, it's a big um, opportunity for, and I know you said we we're going to talk about the second line, but it's a big opportunity for the third line to kind of cement itself as something that they should continue to do, continue to use. A hundred percent, especially since, Sheldon Keefe can kind of use them now where he wants. And and the thing with Winnipeg is, like, you look at their top two lines, and you can make a case like they're as good as the Leafs. Now, the Matthews line, I'd argue, is better than the Jets' top line, but I would also go with the fact that the second line for Winnipeg is probably maybe better than the Leafs' second line. Um, so it'll be interesting to see now, in light of the Matthews situation, how you choose to match up. Like, do you choose to use Matthews against Shifley? Do you choose to use him against 
Dubois, I guess there's not a great answer. That that Dubois line is, I don't know if they've kept their lines intact, but it was Dubois, Connor, and Ehlers, which is like a really fun young line. And then it's more like a heavy kind of Shifley, Wheeler, Stasny, like an old school kind of line. Um, so we'll see what, what Sheldon Keefe chooses to do there. But uh, let's talk about Neilander Tavares. I think Neilander has looked the best he's looked all year in the last like week. I guess maybe a little longer, I guess, ever since he had that two-goal game uh, against Calgary. He had nine shot attempts uh, in the, the Saturday game. Um, and Tavares, too, like looks like he's feeling more confident. Um, I guess this was inevitable, right? Like They were going to eventually get it going somehow. It's interesting to me that Nylander is not really he, – he's actually playing less. His ice time is actually down. He's only been playing – you know, yep. the Edmonton games, he was only playing 13 or 14 minutes. Well, some of those games are blow, blowouts, yep. but I guess he still has to play. Yep. He still have to play someone. Yep. Yep. But, you know, it's and he's got the five goals in the last seven games. And I, I think I think I think it was inevitable. And I mean, there were some indications, too. You look at Tavares's stats at even strength and, you know, there were the shooting percentage and on ice shooting percentage and all that was a lot lower than he typically is. So. You know, he did. He was going to get some goals eventually. I mean, obviously, the Leafs are going to need that if the Matthews line isn't going to be as dominant as it was early on. And that's what deep teams do, though, is that, like, you're not going to have one line that contributes all season consistently. So you want to have other lines that step up when uh, when there's a fall off. And I think that, you know, the Leafs have the ability to do that. I mean, on the season, I mean, Nealander's got 20 points in 26 games, 10 goals. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's kind of what he is, right? Like, I mean, that's, you know, he's on a 30 goal pace again and he's not getting, he's only getting 16 minutes a game. So I don't know. I'm, I'm my concern level over Nylander was never that high, to be honest. Well, Tavares is, is the more interesting one just because you're paying him so much that, that you, he can't just be like a 70 point player, really. Like they need, they kind of need more than that. They need him to be, they need him to pound second lines like that. That needs to be an advantage. And that's really what's been tricky about his start. Obviously it hasn't mattered that much because they've been destroying the division for the most part. Uh, but like you're paying him to be elite. So that's why like it's, I, I do think it's fair to point out the struggles that he's had at even strength five on five um, because he's supposed to be really good. Like he's, he's, I think he has the fifth highest cap hit in the league. Like he, that's really the challenge with this whole construction, James. And like why it's really interesting, especially in the next year or two, um, you're paying such a significant part of your cap to four players. If one of those players, the second highest paid player isn't elite, it, 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 it makes it more difficult to, to make it work. I well, think. who's the most overpaid player on the roster right now? He is. He is. I mean, that's... Well, what do you think he's actually worth right now? Like, nine, eight and a half, eight? Uh, I know Dom does those charts, and I think he had Tavares in, like, kind of the high nine range coming into the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, I mean, the, we've talked about this on, on a lot of podcasts. I mean, the the one thing that stands out to me is that Keith just isn't using Tavares as much as like he he doesn't want to yeah. he doesn't want to play him twenty minutes a night. He doesn't want to play him against other teams' top lines regularly. Um, 
all of a sudden you have eleven million dollar guy. Like leave the points out of it. Like leave leave the like I I think his shooting percentage is going to come back and he's going to score more. And I'm not worried that he's going to be a seventy point guy. But if your coach doesn't want to play you as much um, and doesn't want to use you in situations that eleven million dollar players should probably be used in, those are both flags for me. Well, he is. Getting 14, 28, 5 on 5 a night, which is the second lowest of his career. So Probably since he, he was, was a, a rookie, right? Oh, I guess it's the third lowest. 17, 18 with New York, he was 14, 06, and then the rookie year. So that, that kind of is what you're talking about. The power play, his role and opportunity has been constantly changing. The Leafs are always changing their power play. I'm fascinated by it. They change their units all the time. I, I kind of love it. Um, but obviously, like, it leads to a little bit less ice for Tavares. But I, I just think he's looked better. Um, I think Kerfoot helps them. I, I thought that was a change that they, they that was overdue to make. Just because he's smart. Like, you see the pass he makes over the weekend. That's a nice little sneaky, smart drop pass. Uh, and Kerfoot's production has, has been going up. So That's a good question for Keith at some point. Yeah, we, I'm saving it for tomorrow, actually. The, the power play stuff? Yeah, I'm just, I, I was thinking about it at practice today because they've, they've changed it again. I guess they changed it last game. Um, I kind of think the reasoning is, is to keep, it, keep things fresh. No, it makes you unpredictable. But I'm not unpredictable. Sure. It makes you unpredictable for other teams. Yes. I wonder if they have like a, a, a like a board, a dry erase board in the coach's office or something, and, and there's like eight different power play units they could try at any different time there. And mm-hmm. then I, I think they're probably looking at things like handedness and you know suitability for the different positions. And some of the like you talk to coaches around the NHL now about how to build power play units, and it's it's not. It's not always about the individual skill sets as it is, you know, like you, you want to have like the guy on one flank be this certain handedness and the guy on the other flank be this certain handedness and the guy at the net front be able to take a pass from, you don't want a power play where you have all left-handed shots, for example, because you want to have, but, yeah, go but ahead. That's one of the interesting things. Like they're changing all that. Like, so for yeah. example, uh, for one game last week, I think. They had Tavares, Matthews, Marner, Thornton, Riley. And then more recently, they've taken Thornton, who's a left shot, out of that spot. And they put Travis Boyd, who's a right shot, in that spot. And it's just like Manny Malhotra just must believe that you you got to constantly be evolving. Because like you mentioned, unpredictability. Uh, the power play doesn't get flat. I think one of the problems we saw here in recent years is they, they didn't change the power play. Like they would... They might move a piece here, a piece there, but you felt as the second half went and the playoffs came that they were just really stale and like you could really game plan for what they were trying to do. And now it's it's not like that at all because they're they're constantly changing everything all the time, which I like. Yeah, the former coach, I think one of the biggest criticisms that we always had, or certainly I always had, of, of what he was doing with his, his lineup was uh, – was just not really being willing to experiment or try some different things, even when the, you're playing a stretch of really meaningless games. So Well, but even like last year after that coach, Mike Babcock, was fired, they didn't change the power play for the most part. Like Keith changed it right away. He loaded up. But in the second half, it was the same 
issues. Um, as the year went along, it got less and less dangerous, even though it finished with a, a really... Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Good mark. All right. So where do you want to start? VC or Grandland? Let's let's do a lightning round. Jimmy VC. He's uh, Jimmy in VC. VC bull? I, I was calling <laughs> I can't pull the pun off. It makes more sense in print than it does in trying to say it. He's uh, he's noticeable. You know, I, I think that uh, I, I want to say that, like, you know, we should have expected that at some point he was going to make his impact felt a little bit more. But I don't know. It was just, he just weren't noticing him in games for long, long stretches early on in the year. I think what it, it demonstrates is what a goal can do to someone's confidence like, this is a guy who's who's made his living, like, as an offensive kind of player. And the first 20-odd games, like, he had one goal or two goals. Um, and you see once he had that two-goal game, you can just see him skating with more confidence. And so you're noticing him more. He's more physical. Like, he's, he's generating some scoring chances. Um, and that's helpful. Like, now you look at, like, the, the bottom of their lineup and – We've talked about that third line, and suddenly their fourth line, you're getting contributions from Spezza, and you're getting contributions from Boyd. And like now if VC can give you something, that's helpful. And soon they're going to have an issue when Wayne Simmons comes back, and, and VC is probably the guy who ends up coming out. You say that now, three guys get hurt, and it, it, it doesn't matter. So it's it's too soon to kind of look at that stuff. Um, but it's, it's a nice problem for them to have um, extra guys kind of milling about who can make an impact. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what they were hoping coming into the year and it just didn't materialize because he was so unproductive. So, I mean, and I think that's what they were, Keith was trying to do early in the year when he was putting VC up with, uh, up with some of his more, you know, playing him with Tavares, playing him with Matthews, like just like trying to get him going and it, and it wasn't working. And, you know, they yes. put him on the fourth line and let him work his way out of the funk. Although maybe the fourth line, I mean, the way that those guys produce, maybe that's the line they should use to get guys going. Just just play him with Travis Boyd and he's, you know, they're, they're going to start scoring goals. All right. Sell me on Michael Granlund. He's good. He's a good player. He's, uh, you know, I think if you look at the Leafs roster and where their what their needs are, I mean, you were talking about, do you need Hyman on that line? Do you need Thornton on that line? Or where do you play Thornton? And... I think if they can get another top six forward, especially someone who can the – th- the thing I like about Granlin the most, and I was talking to Mike Russo about this a little bit yesterday because he saw him a lot in Minnesota. The thing I like about Granlin the most is that he's very, very good with, with snipers. He's very good at creating dangerous chances and being unpredictable on the ice. He's a good stick handler. He's a good passer. He's got really good vision. He's a good two-way player. I think if the Leafs get someone like Granlin, I would play him with Matthews, to be honest. I, I would I, I think he could be he's not gonna be like Marner, but he's gonna be a guy that can really move the puck really well and put Matthews in good positions to shoot. That that's what I like about Granlin the most. So he is on an expiring contract. He's a UFA in the summer. Rental. I kinda rental, yeah. 
Uh, I kind of like the idea of him with Tavares, but yeah, like I watched him a bit uh, on your urging, and the first thing that stands out is he's smart. Yes. Um, and and obviously he can play some center, he can play the wing. That versatility is helpful. He's playing over um, 20 minutes a game. He leads Nashville's forwards in ice time. He's playing both special teams. He's like he's not a big guy, but he can skate and that 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 um, intelligence on the ice is is really really important. It's it you can you can get guys usually at the deadline that can produce points, but the Leafs need I think another player who they can trust it at both ends of the ice, and and he cert- certainly qualifies. The question I asked you and is is how much better is he than Kerfoot? Well, he's different. I he's more skilled. He's he's more skilled than Kerfoot. You know, he's he's just different. He's he's shiftier. He's he's going to create plays and open lanes that that Kerfoot doesn't. And I and Kerfoot's a fine player, but you know, where Kerfoot's a borderline second third line guy, I, I think that Granlund could be more than that. And I think that if you look at uh, the on ice shooting percentage since he's gone to Nashville, it's been really really low. And Granlund's played a lot with Turris and Johansson and Matt Duchesne and. All these guys in Nashville that have been really snake bitten and haven't been able to produce. The power play is not very good in Nashville. I, th- I think that Granlin can be a guy that. I mean, in Minnesota, he was a first line player. He played with Stahl. He was extremely dangerous. There was at one point there was a stretch of two and a half seasons where Granlin was top forty in the NHL in points over two and a half seasons. Like he's he's a he was an elite offensive producer in Minnesota. So the bet you make if you're the Leafs is you you want to try and recapture some of what he was in Minnesota and not so much what he's been doing in Nashville. And it's not like he's an old guy. So pretend you're David Poyle, who has a lot of problems there with some of those contracts. Um, what do you ask for? I mean, if if I'm Nashville, I'd probably try and get a prospect as opposed to a, like, I don't know, like uh, something like a second round pick. Doesn't really excite me that much. I would try and pull out a prospect that I think can play, but I don't know. All right, James, before we get to the pod bag, I want to get your thoughts on this that just came out. Um, Have you seen the stuff with the lottery? Yeah, I don't know. It didn't excite me that much. You don't have any thoughts? I don't know. It seems like they mess around with what the lottery looks like every 18 months or something like it, you know, like it's changed, had so many different iterations and I, I don't know. I, I don't know what this is in response to. Well, um, so this is from our buddy, Chris Johnson. Teams will be limited to no more than two lottery wins in a five year period. Teams will only be allowed to jump 10 spots with a lottery win, a reduction in the number of picks decided by the lottery from three to two. And that's it. It seems fine. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you tell me what interests you about that, because I, like I said, I'm not that uh, whatever. It's it's like tweaking a bunch of lottery stuff, and also like with the Leafs, like the lottery stuff's not really relevant to them. Like it's not going to be for quite some time. Yeah, true. All right, that's all I got. Let's move on. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. All right, James, you're up. Pod bag. All right. The first question is from Matt. He wants to know what's going on with Nick Robertson and his latest injury. I think you've got you've got an update on that. Yeah, he was pulled before... A game, I believe it's with an oblique injury. Um, so that's the situation. Um, it will be interesting to see if he gets another chance with the Leafs at some point. Injuries will obviously dictate that. How he plays will dictate that. I'd like to see him get another chance. I, I, I think he could be interesting in a playoff series. Interesting just as another guy who can score, uh, who can help the power play. But he's 19. Like there's There's... Every chance he's not ready to play in the NHL right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think that, you know, evaluating him with the Marlies, I mean, they, they should have a pretty good sense of how ready he is or not ready he is. So, um, and it's not like they're struggling for depth forwards to, to try out between Boyd and Patan and Barabanov and some of these other guys. So, um, Steve Nest wants to know what does a Wayne Simmons contract look like next year? Pre-injury, he was out of the Leafs' budget, but since he'll only play around 30 games, can the Leafs get him back for, he says, two years and two and a half million dollars a year? There's no way they're gonna. There's no way they're gonna give him that. Um, there's no way they're giving him two years, or even two two and a half. I, I think the reality is, is like if Simmons wants to come back on a contract that's like what he makes now or less, then maybe you think about it. But I mean, you, the Leafs' off season is going to be complicated again. It's going to be complicated every year now. You know, until the cap starts going up the way that it used to, which is going to be years from now. I mean, they got to try and re-sign Zach Hyman. They got to figure out what they're doing with their goalie situation. Um, there's not a ton of money expansion. There's there, yeah, there's not a ton of money coming off the books. They're going to have to find some low-priced free agents to bring in again. You know, we'll, a goalie. We'll we'll see how I I mentioned the goalies. We'll we'll see how Simmons plays out the rest of the year when he gets back and how he plays in the playoffs and then you can evaluate what he's, but he's not like if he was looking at this as like come to the Leafs and play one season on a lower salary and then play well and earn more with another team or like, it's not going to happen here, but I don't know. I don't know that that's what he was trying to do. I think that's Travis Boyd. And I wrote about all their off season additions last week. Um, he strikes me as like Tyler on his 2.0. Now some team is going to be like, Hey, you're good. You're going to play on our third line or second line. Here's 900 grand. 
Congrats. But really, James, like you look at, like you mentioned next offseason, when you look back at what they did this past offseason, so far, it looks like an A-plus offseason. Like, you can't really look at anything and say that bombed. Even like VC has come on recently. TJ Brody looks like a, a home run for what they needed. That was like about as well as you could do for an offseason. Now, there's still a second half. There's the playoffs. We'll see if like Frederick Anderson, if their decision to not replace him holds up. But so far, like you can't quibble with what they did. No, and, and there's been a lot of injuries and, you know, like like we haven't really, we don't have a great sense of how good Campbell is. And like there, there's still some things that, um, but yeah, no, I, I I agree. I mean, and we'll we'll see how Thornton plays out the rest of the year. And But even yep. even things like, you know, getting Spezza back for the salary he's on, having a really deep taxi squad. You know, there's yep. there's a lot of Bogosians played well, I think better than people anticipated. You know, there's a there's a lot of positives about about the offseason that they had. For the life of me, James, like I cannot understand why they don't sit Thornton on some of these back to backs. I don't understand it at all. Yeah. One bit. It doesn't make any sense to me. Or even Spe- or even Spezza, even like Muzzin or I, I just don't totally get why the NHL is so slow with this stuff. It wouldn't shock and the me. Leafs especially. It wouldn't shock me, Jonas, if part of the problem they're running into is cap related. You know, they're not set up very well to put players like Spezza. I mean, Spezza cleared waivers, so that's they can can put him on the taxi squad, but they can't put Thornton on the taxi squad. So they need to have roster room for all of these guys, and it gets really complicated with the LTIR and everything. But they just don't have a lot of space. So well, he makes seven hundred grand. I know, but even still, they don't have a lot of extra space. They really don't. Especially if they want to get Letton and Baraban off some NHL pay once in a while, and. You know, they're moving guys around every day. And it wouldn't surprise me if they're not set up very well to give those guys the rest that... But also, I bet you that Thornton's saying, I'm fine, I want to play. Yeah, but that's when, like, that's where the NHL needs to go. It's like, we're looking for the bigger picture. And, like, I think that's still one of the outstanding questions with Thornton is, like, can he can he do it every other night for four rounds in the playoffs? and? That's TBD. Like, he's 41. I, I think he's played maybe a little more than I thought he would, but he's, like, basically playing the same minutes he played last year and the same minutes he played the year before that. That's that's kind of, like, bringing it back to the Hyman stuff. One of the questions I do have is, like, is he going to be able to do this, like, night after night after night in the playoffs? Um, I guess we'll see. The king of pants would like to know... Can you criticize? I like that you read the, the the names, by the way. Yeah, it's great. It adds a little flavor okay. here. I know people yeah. like it too. Uh, okay. He wants us to criticize the Buffalo Sabres organization for thirty minutes. So maybe we, maybe we can do two minutes. You know what I was thinking? We're watching all the the Gong Show in Buffalo. They got they got beat up by the Islanders on the weekend, and the GM talked last week. And our our colleague John Vogel is doing a really good job of covering all the nonsense that's going on in Buffalo. I recommend. I know Leafs fans like the Sabres are always kind of like the little brother team a little bit just because they're so close geographically. And Leafs fans go down to Buffalo for games in the in the before times. Uh, follow John Vogel and our Sabres coverage because it's pretty interesting. You know what I was thinking watching all of that the last week or whatever, Jonas, is like there's an example of how not to rebuild. I mean, they, they tear it down to the absolute, to nothing, to the floorboards. 
and they just they just didn't have a lot in place there. And the one thing that the way the Leafs got lucky is they really didn't tear out absolutely everything when they were rebuilding. They finished last, but they still had a lot of good players on the roster. They still had Riley, Kadri, Gardner, JVR. Um, they they still had pieces that they could move and and, and acquire assets with. Um, they 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 got a lot of high picks in quick succession, and they hit on all of those picks. And I don't know, but I don't know about like Buffalo. It's not even like the goalie's been okay. You know, it's like I don't like the, the you know everyone's blaming the coach again. It's like you're just going to blame the coach over and over and over and over again. Um, it just it feels like something's rotten there. You know, they bring in Eric Stahl and bring in Taylor Hall and like it seemed like they had a pretty good offseason and still they're they're brutal. So it's very frustrating times for Buffalo. Well, and it really, really, really hurts when a guy you gave what is his contract? Skinner. Eight years and seventy two million and he has, as of the time of this recording, one goal in twenty games. Last year fourteen goals, twenty three points in fifty nine games. But like guys That's guys, tough. guys go there and then they just like start to suck. Like look at yeah, but that that was like a red flag when they did it. Now they they signed him after he had that forty goal season. But you look at his career like that that season's like he had one thirty seven goal. Season. Well, it was like I all shooting percentage, total outlier. No, it was all. It was like it's an outlier. It, there was like some mirageery going on there. Yeah. What do you think of the division? By the way, I guess it's not the division anymore because they don't play in the Atlantic. But when times go back to normal, they will play in the Atlantic. I presume. Um, Detroit's kind of stalling. Well, Ottawa's Florida's been the good. big surprise, I think, in the division. I mean, like Tampa and Boston are still good. Florida's just really been kind of shocking under the new GM. Like they've they've they made a lot of value bets on on guys that have who have played well. So, well, that coach is, has been a good coach true. for a long time. That, yep, I actually and it helps when the goalie isn't killing you. Like Bobrovsky was awful last year. Well, that Dreger's played really well for them. I know. Um, when we 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 had to make our picks, all the hockey writers at the Athletic for uh, the various awards and everything at the beginning of the season, I picked Quentinville for Coach of the Year for Florida. So I feel. Do you want to know? I'm proud. I did too. And you know, I also I hate this question because I feel like it's taken too lightly. But the the coach getting fired, I actually did pick Julian. Hmm. Hmm. But. He's a good coach too, but obviously that ran amok. Yeah, I wonder where he'll end up. If he'll end up. I'm sure he'll get hired somewhere. Uh, Okay, Uh, Sean Davis. Sean Davis, whose bio says, buds all day. He said, right now it looks like the Leafs are going to lose Kerfoot to Seattle. We have to protect 4D, including Hall. How do you see that playing out? Uh, The Seattle question we seem to get like once a month. Um, I don't know if they take Kerfoot or if they take someone like Travis Dermott. What do you think? I would take Dermot. He's younger. Um, there are indications that that he can play in a top four. Maybe, maybe not. Like he might just be a third pair guy. Um, but Kerfoot's got two more years, I believe, after this one at three and a half. I don't know that that's value. Um, I guess like the the upside with Kerfoot is like he can play in your top six, maybe. He can play center. He can play the wing. He can kill penalties. He yeah, can play your power. I mean, play. for them, value like they don't have to worry about cap value really because they're not going to be at the cap, right? Like, like they're gonna, they're probably not going to have a bunch of big salaries, and 
I, I think Dermot is younger and has a little bit more upside. So that's probably the way I would lean if I was Seattle. But, you know, I think I think it could be either of those guys, to be honest. Uh, Ego Butts, no idea what that means, uh, would like to know, should the Leafs make a push for Taylor Hall? Uh, would he be a good fit? You know, this, we're going to have a piece here soon on some of the other players. The uh, He's on my list, James. He's on my list. Yeah, well, that's that's a shock. I'm... I'm I am I am stunned that you think that <laughs> you and I can go back and forth and we can make uh, make some picks on on different players that uh, and certainly Taylor Hall who has a no movement clause and can decide where he goes if he goes anywhere. There's some noise that he might stay in Buffalo. I, I don't know why he would do that, but um, certainly would be interesting putting him on one of the Leafs' top lines if we can find a way to make that work. Put him with Tavares. Put him with Matthews. Like. Either way, it's just that then it becomes a question of what it takes to get him and how much Buffalo is able to retain. But he's definitely interesting. Do you have any more questions, James? I have lots of questions. I was just waiting for oh, wow. waiting for you to stop going on and on. Okay. Well, it is a podcast. We are supposed to talk. <laughs> uh, I'm tired and grumpy today. I apologize. All right. That's okay. Graham Couch says, how many wins would the Leafs have at the end of the year? What are we? We're we're almost halfway. This so this week is going to be the halfway point, right? Yes. How many wins are they going to have at the end of the year? So they've got eighteen and twenty six games. They got two games against Winnipeg, and that's the halfway point. Let's say they win one of those, so they win nineteen games in the first half of the season. That's that's pretty damn good. Um, I don't think they're going to win nineteen games in the second half. I think that you know there's there's going to be a little bit of a step back. I don't know. Fifty six game season. How many wins do you think they have? Thirty something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that I think that probably makes sense. But mid to low thirties or low to mid thirties. Yeah, I think that that's safe. I just don't think that, like a lot of these teams are that good. I've said that consistently. Like I think Winnipeg is pretty good. I thought Calgary would be better than they are. Yeah. Montreal, I whatever. Um, I like. I don't even think Edmonton. Winnipeg surprised me because their D is like does not look well, like much of anything. That Pionk. Um, that they got, I believe, in the Truba trade. Yep. He's good. Yeah, he's played really, really well. And yep. so it's like you take a guy who now is overpaid and move him out for someone who's probably better. That's a that's a win. That's a cap win, James. And I, I just think if of all the playoff series I would want to see, now I know the betting or most people would probably prefer Montreal-Toronto. I would love to see Toronto-Winnipeg. And obviously Toronto-Edmonton would be fun. But Toronto-Winnipeg would just be great because like those top two lines going back and forth and that that goalie, that would be like a a really big challenge obviously for the Leafs going against Connor Hellebuck. That would be fun. Fun, fun, fun. What what would your ideal, let's say the Leafs do make it to the second round, what would your ideal first round and second round matchup be in the playoffs this year? This is not. This is this is my pod bag question for you. I guess I. I mean, if you had Toronto Edmonton in the first round, and that's like McDavid Matthews. Mm. Yep. That would be fun, and then like Winnipeg Toronto. That would be something too. Like I just think stylistically, there's some differences between them and the Jets. Obviously, with some of that that line and how heavy they are, uh, and their bottom two lines are kind of like big and. There's like Adam Lowry's and Andrew Cops and like I just think it would be interesting, and they're kind of like in a similar boat, like in terms of like their their franchise state in that they've 
they haven't kind of gotten over the hump. They've gotten deeper in the playoffs than the Leafs have. Um, but man, like I, I think the NHL doesn't do the best job of like making it about its stars. And if you had a first round matchup of McDavid, Matthews, mm. Drysdale, Marner, mm. all that stuff, I just think that would be good for the league. I think you're the only one in the world that I would ask that question to, and would mention Andrew Kopp's name as who you want to see, who you <laughs> want to see the Leafs play against. I'd like to. I want to see the Leafs and the Habs play in a playoff series. I mean, I, I just think with like the history and the the fan base and the the only thing, James, is this year it wouldn't be as good because like there might there probably won't be any fans. Like and yeah. part of what would make that fun yeah. is the fans. Well, like, I think all of these series would be made fun by the fans. Like I would oh, yeah. love Winnipeg. to cover these series in person. Like hopefully by the playoffs, everyone's got their vaccines and we're going to be uh, you, me, and Winnipeg, and it'll be uh, eight degrees in in May and we'll be living large on main street. I can take you to the, the keg in Winnipeg. Yes. That's what you do when you're in Winnipeg. You go to the keg. What do you do? I don't know. I w- that's like a chain restaurant. You can go to the keg here. It's like the, literally the same thing. Yeah. Well, I don't know any of the, the <laughs> local cuisine. When I was in Winnipeg, there was a lot of Earl's that we ate at. There's a Moxie's yes. that's in the rink. Yeah. Um, there are some good pubs there. Good pubs in Winnipeg. I got stuck there one time. I don't know if you... I think you were on that trip. I couldn't get out on my flight, and I got stuck there for like three extra days. And uh, I drank way too many beers and slept most of the time. So that was my... It was like February. Good old days. It was like minus 25 out for a week. I was in Winnipeg. Um, Stephen Donnelly is asks, why did you not answer my question last week? What was his question last week? Oh, who the fuck knows? <laughs> Steven, you're more likely, if you send the question and again, you're more likely to get it answered than, than posing it to us this way because, you know, I mean, how many how many questions do we have? We, we get we get like a hundred and something. I, I put this out right before we record, so I don't know what, I don't know what he asked. Uh, did you watch the interview with Harry and Megan with Oprah? How does it impact the Leafs? I definitely did. It was Oh, awesome. you watched it? I didn't watch it. It was so... Oprah is like a genius interviewer. She's fantastic. You're picking up some tips for the next time you grill Kyle Dubas? I'm not joking. Seriously, yes. 100%. Did you watch her One thing, Did you watch her show when it was like a big deal, like in the 90s and whatever? No, but she's like a popular figure in this house. Like she's on quite a bit. Like so I see a lot of the interviews that she does and she one thing she does that that a lot of reporters and interviewers and tv people and radio people don't do she fucking listens and so it's like she's listening to what people say and then she's responding based on what they say she's not just like spitting her questions out and someone who does that really good in our media core is chris like chris listens to what people say and then he kind of responds based on that and anyway she's just awesome at that and that interview had so much kind of heartbreaking stuff and the crown does not come off looking very good shockingly did you so you didn't watch it no well but i but i was like sort of interested i I like read the like what was in the guardian after and like i like i i saw what was i don't know i was working on a freaking mikhail granlin story last night or something i don't know i was like i was getting my work done so uh mahesh wants to know what's your favorite episode of seinfeld Yeah, I mean, there's so many good ones. I like the one where uh, <laughs> there's a lot of the best ones are like 
crazy Kramer ones, like when he has the hot tub in his room or what about the, <laughs> remember Kenny, Kenny Rogers? Yeah. Kenny Rogers. Yeah. The Kenny Rogers chicken one. And, you're like, <laughs> and there's the red light going into his room and what, remember the guys get are sleeping in his chest of drawers and they get stuck in there because the hot tub warps the wood and he can't get them out. I and his, it's the Japanese businessman. And his hand is is all like stuck from signing the checks. And then <laughs> I don't know. That's the one that comes to mind for me right now. But you know what I think I'll go with? Our Punch brings up the marine biologist, which is a really good that one. Is, yep. I think I would go with when George is trying to get fired by the Yankees <laughs> and he does everything he can to get fired. He's got the like trophy he, tied to the back of the car. and he's <laughs> Yeah, and I think he gets a promotion from it. I think he becomes like the assistant GM. So I think like I would love – there have been times when like you think someone is doing something to get themselves fired and that's what you think of. Like how do you blow this up? I think the one that I quote the most often is in the gifts I use the most often is uh, is the Serenity Now one. I think that's that's a classic one. What do you think is a better show, that or Curb? This is gonna, I'm gonna get like hate mail or something if I say this, but like I haven't really gotten into Curb yet. Like I I, I watched wow. like I was watching the first season. I watched like five or something, and it's like yeah, that's. I, I think I haven't like hit the sweet spot where it gets really good because I don't think the first season is a little like they're they're figuring out what it is. So should I just and skip it? Too... Should I skip like to yeah, the second? The first season, probably... I just like eh, this is okay. Skip to the second. Where do I even find it? Do I have to like buy it or something? Like I don't even know. It's on Crave. Okay, so I got to buy Crave then. I think yeah, I think it, it it's probably like a better show. It's just the volume of Seinfeld and like the cultural. Well, I haven't seen Curb. I've only seen like five episodes from the first season and it's it's like i don't know i would give it like a eight out of ten or something whereas seinfeld's like a 10 right curb is like a 10 once you get into the meat okay wow we've gotten way off i don't know this is what people are asking today here let me see if i can find another leaps question matthew van hookalom i hope i pronounced that right if the Leafs want to make a move at the trade deadline, does the willingness to spend a first or second round pick change given the uncertainty with this year's draft? Good question. I don't, I haven't thought too much about that. Okay, so if they move the draft, I don't think they're going to, but there's been talk about if they move the draft another year. I'm guessing the picks would be based on where they finish this year. So whatever the first round pick is for the Leafs is still going to be a very late pick. Um, the only thing is, is you're going to be picking with potentially the players being a year more mature. So um, would they do two drafts? How would they do it? I actually don't know. I haven't been paying as super close attention to the draft stuff. I'll just, I'm just waiting until they decide. I don't think they're going to move it. I think that, I mean, it's going to suck for like some kids have barely played and they're going to, you know, it's going to hurt their draft stock. I think you're writing about this at a certain point soon, but if you're the Leafs, it, everything has to be on the table. Like you, you, you're trying to win. Like, when are they going to get it? When are they going to get a better chance at at making it to the third round? When yes. when is that going to happen? Do whatever. Yeah. When's that ever going to happen? Magic Mitch wants to know what's the optimal first round matchup. What would be the easiest first round matchup for them to get through? Hmm. Edmonton. It does feel like they match up pretty well against Edmonton. I just think the the style that the Oilers play, the Leafs seem to have a, an easier time of winning. Well, they're 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 one of the very few teams that um, Matthews can match up with McDavid. Like they're one of the only teams that it, like if you're Sheldon Keefe, you're not like antsy when McDavid comes on against Matthews. Like obviously you're antsy because it's McDavid, but you know what I mean. Like there was a point uh, early in the earlier in the season where 
I think it was in Edmonton, and and Dave Tibbet was using McDavid against Matthews, and then the next day game he changed it and he used McDavid against Tavares. Like that's that's part of the power of Matthews. Um, who would be the easiest? I guess. I mean, Vancouver's not going to make it, right? I guess they still could. Well, they're only one back of Calgary. I mean, do we think Calgary? I mean, Vancouver's played a lot of games, right? That's what's deceiving. They've played more games than everybody else. I don't. I think we can rule the Canucks out. I, when I last looked, their chances of making the playoffs were at three percent. Let me ask you a question. Let's do it. Do you think there's any possibility, given the way the year is going for him, that that Hyman will actually want to test free agency and see what he can get? I think like why do we just assume that, that he's going to take a hometown discount to stay because he's from here? I, no, I just think that the Leafs really want to keep him. I know the Leafs really want to keep him, and I think he really wants to stay and win here. And that seems right. That that's why. Like I mean, like you, I've talked to lots of people around him, and the Leafs don't want to let him go. And the question is, can they find the number that makes sense? And I think that that's where you get into those really long contracts with like a bunch of like goofy years tacked on the end, and you just you try and make that work. I mean, I. Could he get more with another organization? Yes. I mean, when they were playing the Oilers, I, I, saw, I saw some of the Oilers media were tweeting, like, this is the kind of player the Oilers need, is Zach Hyman. Um, I'm sure the Oilers would offer him, what, $5 million a year for seven years? They would, like, they would, they would put a lot of money. They would, they would put the Clarkson contract on the table for him. But um, the Leafs aren't going to be able to do that. But maybe Hyman, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure, look at the, all the endorsement deals he has here. Like, how many more kids' books do they sell because he's a leave? How many more billboards is he on? And, like, it seems like he's doing all kinds of commercials all the time. Is he going to do that if he goes to, you know, there are not that many other markets like Toronto. You know, I, I know that when 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 uh, the Leafs have been recruiting free agents, I know some of the players have, have told some of the free agents that they're trying to recruit that they do so much money in endorsement deals that, like, don't just look at the, the number that's on the cap hit. Fair, fair. Fair. Andre Ferris asks, what's going on with Morgan Riley's game? He doesn't seem to be making the right decisions out there. I hope he turns it around. Man, I am, I'm doing midseason awards this week. I, I can't believe how picked apart Morgan Riley is now. I, I, think, I think what happens is a guy plays in a place for so long that all you notice now is the mistakes and you, you forget everything else he does really I well. can't believe that he has never gotten criticized before. Like, it, it's almost like he was, like, bulletproof for the first whatever. Like, it, it seemed like he was making mistakes. And I think he... Yeah, but see, that's the thing. Those The mistakes stand out. It's like the same thing with Gardner. But you're not catching the, the 10 other things that he does well in a game because you just miss it. Like, you're... you're I, don't, I know how it is. Like, you're sitting on your couch. You're not watching that closely. Or you are. But, like... Some plays are are more subtle and you miss them, and I just think lots of the things that he does well are now completely taken for granted. He's he's not an elite defensive player. Like he's 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 a somewhat weak defensive player for a number one defenseman. So mm-hmm. like that's if you look at some of the defensive numbers the last month, pretty good. And I mean, he's what's he on? He's his point production is yours. On pace for what would be a 60-point season. And like a very, very – he's very good offensively. Do, do not want to take that away from him. Uh, woven pull cat. Okay. Uh, if you had to choose between keeping Hyman or Riley, who's more important to the team? 
<laughs> the problem is the money. Like it, it's just going to yeah. Well, like what the kind of contract Riley's going to get more, right? So the issue I, I I think that we are not or we we haven't explored. I guess we've explored it. There's a question of whether you should pay both guys given their age. Like Hyman's going to be 29. Like he's not. That's it's the wrong time to give a guy a long contract, especially someone who plays like that. Um, and Riley, obviously, like he'll be, I think, 28 when he's up. Different, different type of player, different position, obviously. Um, but I do think we have to keep that stuff in mind. Like, I, I don't think it's I, – I, I think you need to consider that stuff. I think you assume that what he is is what these guys are now is what they're going to be for the life of the contract, and that's not usually the case at all. I mean, I think the front office is aware of that. I just think in the case of Hyman, for sure, I think they're willing to make an exception. You know, but I, I think they – I mean, they've – I just think you need to be careful. Like, yeah. I, 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 he's – He's generally been healthy, um, but like if he loses like a step, he's a little less effective, right? You know what I mean? Like uh, Matthew Cause asks, "How is Eric Kareen doing with the real estate market?" You've been following that saga. No, I love Cause though. <laughs> uh, Eric Kareen's trying to buy buy into the market in Toronto. Good luck, good luck, sir. It's it's not for the faint of heart. All right. Go to theathletic.com slash report <laughs> if you're not already a subscriber. Um, I think you can rate the app or rate the app. Rate the podcast in the comments section. You can rate the app somewhere the else. App. Yeah, you can do it in lots of places. Um, so the Leafs play three against Winnipeg this week, and then they've got a nice little break. Um, they'll play Ottawa on Sunday, and then they don't play again until Friday. What, what are we going to do without all without games? I've gotten, I, I don't know about you, but I've gotten to this rhythm where there's not a game for two days. I get like, kind of like I'm jonesing for another game. Yeah. <laughs> I just watch other games or other stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I think because they, they played five games and whatever it was, what was it like 10 months or something that like they barely played. I think that I'm just, I'm still, it's still nice to like have the routine back and, and everything. And so I just picture Beavis and Butthead when they're jonesing for that stuff. What is it that they jones for? Uh, I can't remember. I don't know, like anyway. TV or... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Butthead. All right. That's enough. James, it's been a pleasure. We will be back sometime next week with plenty more to chew on. Goodbye. <laughs>